welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. That's what you get for not obeying your counselor. And here's what you get for telling evil stories and having such a filthy mouth. It is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Welcome, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we continue our month-long stays at different summer camps. Up next, J.A. Allison, James Klein, we enter the camp Rolling Hills. We have, we have teenagers showing tits off everywhere. We got this TC guy with a mullet. We got, we got little kids taking pictures of naked titties. And of course we have the Wicked Witch of the West, Angela, sending everybody home. Yes, because we are talking all about Sleepaway Camp 2. Unhappy counselors. What's happening, Allison? How do you feeling about your stay here at the, the Rolling Hills? How do you feeling? What's up, man? Um, I am still having fun at camp. Um, it has not it has not gotten um, tedious and bad yet. Um, I liked this week uh, this week's uh, uh, film better than I thought I would. So so far, I'm having a good time at camp, but we'll see if that continues. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Now I've always heard. So this is my first time watching this movie, <clears throat> but I I've always heard that this Sleepaway Camp Two was really good. Like people even liked it better than the original one sometimes as well. And I actually thought this movie was, like you were saying, surprisingly really well. Like, I thought some of the, some of the, the, the killing scenes were a little cheesy. <laughs> but some of them were actually pretty fucked up. And it kind of caught, some of them caught me off guard. I was like, whoa, where did that yeah. come from? You know? Kind of like, I, I, I would agree with that. Kind of like the first movie. And, you know, to, to, to be honest with you, the, the, the character who played um, Angela, was it uh, uh, Bruce Spring, Springfield's daughter? She's Bruce Springsteen's sister. Oh, is his sister? Okay. How the fuck am I supposed to know? Is it his sister? Okay. Yes. And it, what's your name? Uh, Pamela. Pamela Springsteen. <clears throat> okay, Pamela Springsteen. Yes. And it's his sister, apparently. And yeah, uh, sister. and then I thought she did pretty good in this in this role and stuff. You know, I thought it was a a very interesting take on her character. So. The one of the things I thought was interesting about it that I'll say real quick is that I thought it was kind of cool that or kind of interesting how they just took off like right well, not right from the end of the last movie, but there's no mystery like in Friday the 13th part two where you don't know who the killer is. Like, you know, there's like it's obviously Angela still there and she's obviously still uh doing her killing thing. Yes. Now, yeah, it's kind of like they um <clears throat> they they didn't try to hint it. 
they hinted it a little bit at the beginning and then they just went right into it, like you said. So yeah. there was no like mystery in this movie. Like we knew the whole time who the killer was and you know what she was doing. Um, but the, the difference between the characters was pretty was pretty crazy. But you know, like I said, like this movie, um, you know, I, it's it had some different traits than the first movie. Um, the biggest thing I always see when it comes to, like these like counselor kids movies is like none of these kids actually look like kids. <laughs> like no, no. But we had some like you could tell like okay these kids are probably like fifteen or sixteen, but then like the uh, the older class they had to be at least like twenty twenty one. All right, some of these some of these people in the movie. So yeah, because I mean I would imagine that it's really hard to get. I, actually, honestly, in this movie, I was a little bit confused. Well, not not really. Once you follow this story, I guess I wasn't confused. But it's it's really hard to tell by looking at them who's a counselor and who's supposed to be going there. Which yeah. is kind of what you just said, I think. But yeah. Um, but you know, like I mean, obviously, it would be really hard to find actresses who looked like teenagers. Yeah. Then you'd have uh, beyond that, you would have issues with like, you know, the amount of nudity you would need for a movie like this with teenagers. Yeah. So I guess you have to get people who are like in their 20s. In this movie, they didn't even try. Like, yeah. you know, in the last movie, I felt like the girl who played Angela uh-huh. um, looked like she could have been a teenager, not as young as Angela is supposed to be, but she could have been a teenager. And, you know, some of the other kids were that way. This this movie, I don't think they even tried. They just found people who were kind of young and fit what they were going for. So, yeah, exactly. Like, so, you know, they were just kind of like, I guess, just you know, trying to show, I guess they were just trying to show, like, the older class of, like, the campers in, the, in this particular style movie. But I was trying to do some research about to see what uh, Pamela Springsteen did. Apparently she's you know like a photographer and actress and stuff, but it looks like she's almost like just best known for these movies, the Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, I think she she did a f- couple of things. I think she was like in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and a bit part. Yeah. Um, but mostly she she did these movies and then she pretty much became a photographer. I think she's more famous as a photographer now than she is as a actress. Oh, okay. So that's like a big thing now. I think so. Yeah, she's taken some pretty famous pictures. Like if you look at some of the um, photographs she's taken, some of them are pretty pretty big. Like they're they're photographs of bands that you would have seen. So I think she I think she was pretty successful at that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, you know her brother, obviously one of the uh, uh, the most popular singer songwriters there is. Um, were you ever well, a big yeah. fan of the Bruce Springsteen? Oh yeah, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, his, her brother is so famous that it's really hard to get to not get eclipsed by, you know, the 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 famousness of Bruce Springsteen. But yeah, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Yeah, um, I like him a lot. I'm more of a Jimmy Hart fan. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe they'll tour together one day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you never know. Anyway, let's get into the history segment because boy, we got a doozy on on uh, both metal and wrestling over oh, here yeah. so this movie was released august 26 1988 and i always like talking about the the later years in the 80s i've talked about like i talked about this on before on the show i just feel like there's just a lot more going on you know during like the later half of the 80s 
you know, because, you know, right now we're, we've already established the main horror movies that we all kind of copy and, and, and um, you know, the format of them. You know, we got the Friday the 13th. We have the Halloween is established during this time. Obviously, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is very established during this time. Um, probably uh, Hellraiser a little bit as well, too. So we're getting mm-hmm. to the, the point where a lot of the movies have the same trope where we need to show excessive gore in our movies. You know, compared to some of the earlier 80s movies where we probably have a little more jump scares and a little bit more left to your imagination. So, Yeah, I would say that's true. Although with Sleepaway Camp 1, that that swerve and that reveal at the end was pretty original. Like I... There's no way you would have ever seen that coming. Yeah, exactly. I don't think. And that was that had to have been pretty shocking to people in 1986. Yeah, definitely. Or definitely. Whatever it came out. That had to have been pretty shocking. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we, we talked about that before on the other cast. Like, yeah, definitely something that you right. didn't see out of left field. But how about we get into some of the wrestling? So okay. both me and you have some stuff from wrestling. Mine, mine might go a little longer than yours. So let's 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 do yours first. Oh, well, okay. Um, so basically I just wanted to have two, uh, we can do this real, real, real short. I'll just do the main events, but it's like another one of those, where would you have rather been segments? Oh yeah. Um, so on August the 26th, 1988, which was the day the movie came out, there were two big shows and it's perfect because it's the two, um, promotions that you and I follow. So the promotion that I followed most around this time, the promotion you followed most, would have followed most, I guess. So, the, you know, we're talking about, of course, WWF and Jim Cracker promotions. So uh, WWF was in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, at the Saddle Dome, where 6,000 people showed up to see a pretty stacked card. So this is leading into um, something uh, we'll probably talk about in a minute. But um, so we were, uh, I'll start halfway through the card and tell you who, some of the people that were on here. Okay. So halfway through the card, you had the big boss man who beat Sam Houston, um, which that kind of surprised me because I was not aware Sam Houston was in WWF. But um, yeah, big boss man pinned Sam Houston. The WWF tag team champions, Demolition, defeated the British Bulldogs. Oh, that'd probably be a good match. Uh, that would be a great match. Terry Taylor pinned Ben Basarab. I don't even know who that is. Some jobber. Some jobber. Um, the Ultimate Warrior defeated Honky Tonk Man via disqualification. How many? How, how long was the match? It so doesn't say. It had to be like less than a minute. Yeah, that was probably pretty short. Um, and so I'm guessing that was when Ultimate Warrior was trying to go for the Intercontinental title, is what I'm guessing. Yes, because in um, our next segment, we'll be talking about him. Right. <laughs> Um, and then your main event that night, Andre the Giant pinned Jim Dugan. Duggan, excuse me. Dugan. Um, yeah, <laughs> Jim Duggan. So that, I mean, that's a de- that's a good show. Yeah, that's I mean, not that too bad. A, you know, I mean, that that's not a good that's not a bad show. So you know, during night, this time, um, Andre was the heel. Yes, he was. So we have a slower Andre, but uh, Jim Duggan, he's usually pretty pretty good with like the slower getting the crowd all wild up. So I could see that yeah. being a pretty good main event. Not, it's not going to be no Luthez main event with the classic wrestling holds, but you'll have um, you'll have some good spots in there, definitely. 
So I'm wondering if uh, if uh, Duggan came out with a Canadian flag instead of an American flag for this show, since he was the, obviously the face. Oh man, that's a tough one. I could see him still coming out with the American flag, but maybe. Well, you know, you know, like you know, you know, what's kind of funny about that is remember Duggan back in like WCW 2000, where he mm. betrayed America and he joined Team <laughs> Canada with Lance yeah. Storm from Alberta. <laughs> Calgary, Alberta, yeah, that Canada. Was, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we had Miss Guns there. We had a young Elix Skipper. Mm. Actually, actually, uh, talking about that just really quick. I know it's off the subject. I really like that little stable. I thought mm. they were actually a lot pretty of that good. was really good. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that WCW 2000 stuff was actually pretty good. Yeah, it's just all the other stuff that killed it. Yeah, <laughs> but um. you know, during this time, <laughs> it's probably just one of those things where it's like I don't think they had like a border war at this time, so I could just see them. Jim Duggan coming out with the U.S. flag and people just going with it, you know. So yeah, yeah. Plus, at this time, you know, everybody else in the world weren't just sick of Americans like they are today. Yeah, because so you know, it wasn't. Do. I don't think it was until like '97 where like Bret Hart was like a huge baby face in Canada, and then he was obviously a big bad guy in America, where we had an American Canadian style feud. You know what I mean? Because I think, the you know, we always have, like, the foreign heels that we talk about all the time here on the show. But I don't remember them being a foreign heel from the from the Can- Canadians, except for the Mountie. That's the only one I can think that's, like, the, the, the Canadian heel is the Mountie. Right. But he was yeah, more like a... But he was more like a... Uh, it wasn't really, like, a Canadian bad guy heel. He was just, like, a Canadian officer. So it's more like a job title than it was, like, a evil foreign heel type of guy. Right. And then, obviously, on that show, you had no Macho Man, no uh, no Hulk Hogan. Yeah, they're too busy um, making, uh, working out, and making movies, brother. Yeah, yeah, getting <laughs> ready for uh, to save the world, which they're going to do in the next segment. Yes. Um. So the other show was Jim Crockett Promotions in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Omni, which was like their uh, their big Georgia show, I guess you would say. Thirteen thousand seven hundred people showed up for that, so it was probably a sellout or Same. close to it. Yeah. Um, 13,000 people. So we'll start in the middle of that card too. So Sting fought NWA US champion Barry Windham to a draw, Ooh. which I think that would have been fantastic. Very fantastic. That, so that's your, that's your, you know, that's, that's your middle, middle of the card there. Yeah. Um, Dusty Rhodes defeated the Russian assassin. Okay. The Road Warriors defeated NWA tag team champions Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard via disqualification. Boy. <laughs> yes. Nice. Lex Luger, Lex Luger defeated the NWA world champion Ric Flair via disqualification. So we're not at the end of the card yet. Wow. And we just saw that. Um, Jimmy Garvin and Steve Williams and Nikita Koloff and Brad Armstrong and Ricky Morton. That's how it's listed in my things. So I read it that way. Huh. Defeated Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotundo, Rick Steiner, Ivan Koloff, and Al Perez in a Tower of Doom match, and that was your main event. A Tower of Doom match. Yes. Is that like a scaffold You're, match? No, it's, well, kind of. If I remember correctly, I should have looked this up before we actually did the show, but um, I, I remember, if I remember correctly, I saw Hulk Hogan in a Tower of Doom match on, on in WCW, and I think that it's like um, multiple levels. It is scaffolding, but it's like multiple levels that you have to climb up um, it's hard to describe what it was like. 
Um, it's it's like a gimmick on a gimmick. It's like putting a hat on a hat kind of. Is that like the Thunderdome um, cage that we talked about? It's more gimmick than that. Nice. I mean, the the Thunderdome cage was really just a cage. It's it's you know it's, um, you know it's all almost like a um, you know like a uh, what do you say it? It's 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 just like a hell in a cell kind of. Gotcha. Um, but um, but they were uh, but the 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 Tower of Doom is um i'm trying to i I can't describe it it's we'll call it we'll call it a scaffold match but it's it's a scaffold match with multiple levels um and er, nearly every single one of them was bad um like it's just hard to follow um they had one at the great american bash that year um which jim ross is famous for saying was a complete clusterfuck yeah um like it's just like um it's just hard to follow. It's like a scaffold match that you can't see anything into. It's it's just really odd. Uh, maybe we'll we'll put part of a scaffolding match on there, on the, on the Facebook so people can see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see if we can find one. Yeah, one of the worst cage matches in history, supposedly. So, so definitely, you know, we, we've had this discussion before, where you know when we when we pick the show, I mean. I mean, when you got matches like that, the the thing the thing is, uh, you know, with like you got Barry Windham and Sting, you got Luger and Flair going out of it, you got a wacky cage match. I mean, how can you not do the Jim Crockett show? You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like I the, agree. The, I, the, you know, the thing about these two shows, like like we said before, like obviously the big draw to the Calgary show, uh, you know, would be seeing Andre, Andre. the Giant. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because, you know, larger than life guy, a lot of the undercard of WWF, you know, they had some exciting people, you know, honky tonk man was pretty over. I was never a big fan of honky tonk man, but he was pretty, pretty good character. Obviously during this time, ultimate warrior is getting super hot um, on that show. So he would be some, somebody to see too. But you know, if, if I'm like how I am now, if I was like that when the eighties, which we try to do. Obviously, I like a little bit better quality of matches. Um, just kind of like how it is today, where I watch AEW a little bit more than the than the E, because just the quality of, to me, the quality of the wrestling style of matches, I prefer that over the E. Now, I will still yes. watch the E, and I'll still watch their big shows because they do really good big shows. But when it comes to if it's just a normal house show and I wanted to see some good quality wrestling, I mean, how could you not go with Jim Crockett Promotions? So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, these were both house shows, and um, yeah, I I mean, I I completely agree. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Andre live, but you know, you I, I mean, yeah, the Crockett show, in my opinion, would have been better for yeah, sure, definitely. So that would have been the winner of this week's. What show would you do? But uh, <laughs> when when we actually do that segment, but um. Let's talk about a little bit about this big show that happened uh, pretty much only like four days, three days after yes. the movie released. Okay. So, Sleepaway Camp was released on August 26, 1988. But three days after that, we have a big event that we're going to be talking about. And it is the first ever SummerSlam. Yep. From 1988. The Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks, brother. And I'm not talking about the Young Bucks. I'm talking about the mega team of Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man with their 
with their side uh, side guy, Virgil, uh, facing off against the macho man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, with Miss, B- Miss Elizabeth by their side as well. With special guest, uh, uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, refereeing the match. So he was, oh, he was the referee. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes, he's, yes. It should be, let's see. So, so was he not commentating anymore at this point, or he's still um there? he still was, but he was he was just basically the special guest um referee. So like he wasn't like the main referee, but he was like the outside ref- referee that they used to do. So, but I think he was uh maybe back and forth with some commentary, you know, during during this particular time. But you know this this is basically when um the WWF was having really good success with pay-per-views. You know, we talked a little bit about this before. You know, during this particular era, the, the 80s, the two mm-hmm. mega promotions going out of, going at each other was WWF and Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW. Exactly. A, lot of, a lot of times we would have, you know, Starcade run. But then, okay, we got Starcade. Now WWF's going to put on SummerSlam. Oh, re- uh, or... Or not some. They're going to put on Survivor Series, you know. Yeah. Or you know, let's say the um, Jim Crockett Promotions puts on, um, you know, uh, Clash of the Champions. You know, they, they they put on Clash of the Champions to to try to beat WrestleMania Five that actually happened this year. So we're having. That's a lo- what I, Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's that's why. Well, that's why all these shows existed, but. Yeah, that's why Clash of the Champions existed, right? Was so that to compete, to give people a free option to WrestleMania Five. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, so you, yeah, so you could watch it free on television, and then this show happened to co to uh, counter counter program or whatever, uh, um, Great American Bash. Yes, exactly. So, and also too, you know, with this one, uh, just because they were having such good success on pay per view. Um, you know, McMahon decided to do a little bit more pay-per-views during the month because before this, he was just doing Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and Survivor Series. And then maybe like an offshoot um, here and there special. But now he decided like, okay, let's add a little bit more excitement, especially during the summertime. So that's where we came up with SummerSlam. Mm. And there, there's a lot of interesting build during this time. You know, this is when the... The, 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 this is when we had, you know, Macho Man, this is basically his year because he run, he won the title, the belt brother. He won it at WrestleMania in that tournament at the Trump Towers. So the very famous tournament where, you know, Hulk Hogan wasn't in the tournament or no, he was in the tournament, but he, I think he like lost a match and he came back and helped him because Hulk Hogan during this particular era is making a lot of movies. So he, he didn't have like a full schedule and they wanted somebody with the belt to have a full schedule. So pretty much that's why they gave it to the Macho Man. Yeah. Was he making classics like Thunder in Paradise yet or was uh, or had that not come about yet? Um, He, he might have been on the works of it, but I think he was doing like, God, what movies? He, he was doing something during this time. I'm not exactly sure exactly what ma- uh, movies he was doing. Um, yeah. But he was doing and like... Hulk Hogan. Yeah. What an actor. Yes, exactly. And this is when we have, um, you know, the, they were basically in a feud with Andre. You know, Andre and Hulk basically were in a feud for years. You know, ever since WrestleMania three, 
they're always kind of like going back and forth with each other. Rather it be in like, you know, we had that famous Saturday night um, live match. Oh, Saturday night's main event match with yeah, Hulk Hogan yeah. um, getting screwed over by the referee. The referee um, did plastic surgery on his face to look like the other referee. <laughs> and that's how Hogan <laughs> lost the belt because of this crooked referee. And then and then Andre gave the belt to, to, to Million Dollar Man. But then Jack Tanya's like, no, nah, we can't do that. You want an unfair way? You know, that's how we that's how we came up with the tournament for that WrestleMania in 1988 yep. for Randy Savage to win. And then, you know, during this time, this is just basically when we finally get the mega powers. They have collided. We have one strong force of Randy Savage. We have the, the Hulk Hogan. And they have now joined forces together. And, you know, the, so during this particular time, like this was when the E, the, the I should say the E, the F, they were hot mm. because this was when they actually did long-term storylines. Like you don't see that shit nowadays. You know what I mean? Like th- what the beauty of this was, we're showing the relationship now between Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan as their good friends. But then, after a couple months, tension starts to brewing. Macho Man gets a little jealous because he thinks Hulk Hogan's creeping up on Miss Elizabeth. And that's how we get WrestleMania 6 with Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage. So this is kind of like the building blocks of getting to that next year's WrestleMania. Yeah, true. When did they get, when did, uh, do, you, do you know off the top of your head when uh, Macho Man and Elizabeth got divorced in real life? Hmm. Let's see. Was it around this time? I think it was brewing around this time. But yeah, I was about to say that's a real story because he because he uh, much man really thought that was happening. Yes, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that he thought that Elizabeth Elizabeth was cheating on him with Hulk Hogan. Well, yes. Well, there's a couple stories in there where like, you know, he I don't think he thought I don't think he thought I mean, I don't know for sure, but I don't think he thought that Hulk Hogan was actually cheating on her. But I think he was thinking that Hulk Hogan was putting it in her mind that she can, you know, not be without him. You know what I mean? She mm-hmm. she was taking right, more her right. more of her side on the stuff. Um, but you know, there's, there's whole documentaries about. You know, we have that Macho Man. You know, Dark Side of the Ring stuff yeah. you can watch and stuff. It's very very interesting tales about Macho Man in his uh, personal life with his ladies, um, which are pretty crazy. <laughs> but during this time, yes, <clears throat> yes very crazy. And, you know, during this time, this is when, you know, Macho Man was on fire during this time. You know, he was a champion. But, you know, Macho Man basically had the run like CM Punk did. You know, CM Punk was the, the one of the hottest guys in wrestling when he won the, the WWF or WWE championship. But there was always that John Cena that was bigger. You know what I mean? So we have a very good worker has the world champion. He can go in there, have great promos. He's a very over guy. You know, fans love him. Sells the merchandise. Really great. But he's not the megastar. You know that's what I mean? That's a good comparison. Yeah, that that's a really good comparison, actually. I, yes. I, I mean, that's a very astute. I didn't think about that. But yeah, when all during that summer of punk with WWE, uh, I think it was WWE, yeah, WWE, um, he, you know, he was the champion, but Cena was like the star. Yes. Um, and then Punk just got over by being a really good wrestler. Yeah, um, yeah. That all started with the with the ECW show, I guess. With the if Cena wins, we riot. 
Um, no, well, that, no, no, that was another show. That, that was another no. show. Wasn't no, it? you're talking yeah. the the one that that started with the punk and and Cena was Money in the Bank in Chicago. Yeah, because it was in Punk's hometown. Yeah, and yeah. They, they had the sign. the The guys were holding holding the the huge sign that said, "If Cena wins, we riot." Yes. Yeah, that was great. So you know, during this particular time in the '80s, you know, Macho Man, like he, they, like I had said before, they gave him the title because Hulk Hogan wasn't doing a lot of shows because he was making those movies. So, but the thing is, you know, Macho Man had a good run as the champion. You know, I think you know he did that tournament. He had like a, a feud with you know Ted, Ted DiBiase and stuff like that. You know, going back and forth, probably had championship matches against Rick Rude. But you know, mm-hmm. there, it was always that thing where he's a really good placeholder for the title like he's good he's getting over he's a good champion he'll be remembered as a good champion but when hulk hogan comes back that's when the magic stuff happens that's when the big houses come back you know that's when we're seeing the mega matches so and i Mm -hmm. thought it was pretty brilliant at the time to put them both together you know so it kind of helped macho man get to that next level it helped hogan you know you know still be in the the top mix and he can kind of go back and forth and stuff so uh, I thought that was a pretty, pretty, pretty good idea. And then, of course, you know, Million Dollar Man, great heel during the time. And, of course, Andre the Giant. Anytime you have Andre the Giant <clears throat> and you have Hulk Hogan in the same building arena going after each other, instant sellout. Yeah, I would agree. So do you want to talk about the card on this show, James? Yeah, yeah, we could talk a little bit about the card. Um, I'm not going to go into super detail because we have a lot of stuff to get into, especially we had to check ourselves into the camp. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll, 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 I'll talk about some of the matches that I can remember off the top of my head because I didn't have time to watch this particular show. Um, you know, what, what we'll probably do later on in our Retro Blood universe is when we do like Lights Out shows or maybe some special, maybe we can go talk longer form about certain cards that happened in the 80s. You know, certain mega cards like certain WrestleMania, certain SummerSlam, certain Starcades and stuff. Um, you know, just we'll, we'll fit it in here and there. But, you know, the, the, to go through some of the matches that happened on this show, um, you know, we had a the British Bulldogs, of course, great team. We talked about them before here on the show. They they fought the Fabulous Russo Brothers. And this is very interesting because this match went 20 minutes. An opening yep. match on a pay-per-view going 20 minutes. You don't really see that nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe on like an AEW probably would. But typically, your opening match doesn't even go more than like twelve or fifteen. This is just twenty minutes, and it's a time limit draw. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy to think about. Really. Yes, exactly. It's just like, it, you know, you always want a hot match to open your show, and this was definitely probably would have been a hot match because they're all four great wrestlers. It just, it's just weird to see like, okay, we're gonna go twenty minutes, we're gonna get the crowd hot, and there's gonna be a time limit draw. You know, fans nowadays are so like, we have to have a finish. It's all about the finish, brother. Give me a finish. You know, because all this stuff like time draws and disqualifications, referee stoppage, all this shit, they've seen it like a thousand times. So a lot of wrestling fans nowadays like a hot opener with the finish. It's just crazy to think, you know, back in the day you can go like very long and did not even do a finish. Right. Well, that was common in the '80s, and that was one way that you 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 got uh you you had you you did you kept your title your title on your heel. Yes. Too. You know that the Dusty did that a lot. But anyway. And then we have uh, Rick Rude. Which is yes. my, he had to be my favorite 80s wrestler because this guy was just fucking fantastic. I just loved everything he did, all his matches. Uh, we talked about him on this show before. Um, he fought the Junkyard Dog and he won uh, by uh, by disqualification. The good old D- six qualification. Minutes. Yes, 
<laughs> so about six minutes and 18 minutes for that match. Uh, there's a very under uh, um, underrated team in my view that came up next. The Powers of Pain, brother. The Warlord and the Barbaron with the Baron defeated the Bolshevich, Nikolai Volkov and, and Boris with Slick. Tag team match. So definitely two powerhouses just big men slapping meat in this match. Yes, exactly. I love the Barbarian when he was in when he worked for Jim Crockett. Oh yeah. Um Fantastic. and I'm assuming the Baron, I didn't look this up, but I'm assuming the Baron is Baron Von Rasky. Yeah, it's Baron Von Rasky, yes. Yeah. The Barbarian, so his team, the, 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 to me, the Barbarian, you know, he was, when he was in Crockett, like he was just a big powerhouse. He usually go out there on the on their TV Saturday nights, just going there squashing people. Um, I think, and, and he, he was great. You know, he was a great big man wrestler, but he was always shined in tag team matches. You know, obviously when he was in the, the, the E, he was with the Warlord, and they were just like, you know, two big guys beating each other up. But I've always remember the barbarian for him tag teaming with ming and the faces of fear i always loved that tag team the faces of fear when they were in wcw yeah 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 i thought they were very um underrated tag team i thought they were always great yeah and they're both tongans the barbarian was a tong and he just never played a tongan character as far as i i I know yeah but yeah it was kind of cool to see them together so this match was very interesting so this was the honky tonk man. Um, he had to do an open challenge for the Intercontinental Championship because on the what happened was his um, his original um, opponent, Brutus Beefcake, he was unable to complete in this match because he got injured, and the storyline injury he got injured by Outlaw Ron Bass. So we it, it, the the scheduled card originally was going to be Brutus the Barber Beefcake versus the Honky Tonk Man for the Intercontinental Championship belt. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, you know, Beefcake got injured, and then they did a storyline injury where Ron Bass, of all people, injured Beefcake. So in the replacement, Honky Tonk Man did a open challenge at this SummerSlam, and who of all people answered the challenge? Well, it was the Ultimate Warrior. And he came out. People were freaking out. He basically just runs. I saw this match real recently. He runs into the ring, freaks out a little bit, clotheslines him, does a little, does a little splash thing, wins the title. Thirty-one seconds. Thirty-one seconds. So now take that in consideration. So that first match was twenty minutes long, twenty-minute <laughs> Broadway. The next five. Let's see. One, two. Wait. Um. The next um, one, two. Three, four, five, five matches. Yeah, barely, barely was one minute longer than that opening match combined. Yes. So we had like, like you know, five five minute matches in a row in one thirty one second match. Yep. But Ultimate Warriors is your Intercontinental Champion. Yeah. So basically, at this particular time, they were doing the the this guy is so hot, but he can't wrestle that well type of matches you know we've seen that before in wrestling and it does work you know mm-hmm. i think the warrior like was goldberg yeah exactly so you know i think the warrior was one of the first proof of you don't need to go out there and do a catcher's catch can wrestling luthes matt classic you know like we all love that 
but you don't necessarily need that with every character you know and he was just getting crazy over he just come out there he would just freak out run to the ring start freaking out shaking everything close on somebody smash him that's it you know we saw goldberg do that he would come out mm-hmm. with the cops uh high fire on him spit punch spear jackhammer done okay <laughs> we've seen that before right. we, we, with ryback we saw that hint with him he would go out there same kind of thing like goldberg do his little running power slam boom it worked we've seen that with braun Strowman. We've seen it. Now yeah. we're seeing it with Warload. So, oh, uh, well, okay, that's a little bit different. Warload can wrestle, though. Yes, but he does do the quick matches. You know what? What yeah, a fan wanted him to see. They wanted to see him to come out. They want to see him to pose. They want to see him to power bomb people. But you know, Warload, right. I think over time can actually do a longer wrestling matches. Right, but with with Warload being an exception, we like Warload, but we hate all those other wrestlers. For the very uh, reason, uh, uh, speak to yourself. I actually like except for the Ultimate Warrior. Why do we love Ultimate Warrior? First of all, I loved Braun Strowman. Okay, when he was first doing his thing. So yes, don't speak for yourself, brother. All right. <laughs> okay, this guy was fucking awesome. Right. I saw. Right, I I went to one of these brawls and stuff where Braun Strowman was still super over, and everybody loved this motherfucker. He was great. Okay, now now later on, when he shaved his head and shit, then yes, he sucks. And especially now, like, whatever. But he was over. That guy was over. All right, and they fucked him up. But yes, you know, everybody likes... Well, Ultimate Warrior is a very interesting character. And I do have something I was going to bring up to you um, that I kind of want to do for a Lights Out episode. Um, okay. Maybe I'll just bring it up right now. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Like, <laughs> there's a Ultimate Warrior, like, documentary. Not documentary, but there's like a... A home video. Remember they used to do those little home videos, you know, back in the eighties and stuff, and show like everybody's matches and everything, and kind of recap their whole career, oh. like like smack them, whack them, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. There's an Ultimate right. Warrior one, and I think one of these days I might have to challenge you to a lights out match and watching that whole thing, because <laughs> I was like watching a little bit of it a couple of days ago, and it is it is something. It basically shows Ultimate Warrior and some of the matches that he had throughout the 80s. Because this, this, this tape was released in 1989. I think it was called like Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior 89. That's what the videotape was called. And what it is, it shows, him, it shows him matches. And then it has him, before every match, doing his interview style about the matches. <laughs> okay? And it's just wow. like... Yeah. So if nobody's out there have, has heard a Ultimate Warrior promo... It is very unique. He's basically he's basically like screaming, but like trying to teach you at the same time, and he's just saying a bunch of words. <laughs> like it just <laughs> the best one though is like I don't know if this was like a commercial or something, but he had like a bunch of cigarettes in his hand, and he was like smashing them all up and stuff. It's like these things will kill your sticks, and so. <laughs> and did you know he did a Slim wow. Jim commercial too? Um, I, now that you mentioned it, I do, I do, that does bring back a memory. I uh-huh. mean, you know, Savage is, you know, he's the Slim Jim guy, but, yes. uh, yeah, but yeah, Ultimate Warrior did do a Slim Jim commercial as well. So I might have to set it for a Lights episode of reviewing this tape because this tape is great. <laughs> it's just so like random and actually has this match in there too. So we'll, we'll do that a long form down the road. Uh, but getting yeah, past, getting past this car, you know, I'm skipping a couple matches. I'm just talking about the people mm-hmm. I like. So, you know, we had we had another tag team match. You know, during this particular part of of wrestling WWF history, the tag teams were like huge. This is I think they called this like the golden age of tag teams. And then later on we we would get better tag te- we would get 
the same kind of golden age of tag teams back in the attitude area but there's always like a little lull when it comes to like tag team wrestling in the in the f but you know during the 80s they had great teams and this is another great team where we had demolition axe and smash um and they fought the the heart foundation bret hart and jim nyhart this is for the wwf tag team championship and this is when demolition they won the belts brother so definitely a good match this one was uh, here's an interesting match. This would be this is this is really interesting match. Jake Roberts defeated Hercules, going ten minutes. Yeah, I saw that. That would that would have been decent. I mean, you know, yeah. it would have been a little bit of a mismatch because you know Hercules was uh, gigantic and Jake Roberts was not gigantic. But great well, wrestling. just the wrestling style, you know, Jake R is more oh, like yeah. um, he's more like you know, very calculated in the ring. You know, very very good spots timing. You know, focus on the body parts and stuff. You know, Hercules is more like a strongman wrestler. He's more like a yeah. body. He has a body out there, brother. Did you see? Oh, the first match on that Ultimate Warrior like tape is fucking Hercules. Oh my god, we have to watch this thing. It's Hercules versus Ultimate Warrior in a dog collar match. Wow. Yes, <clears throat> and the finish is baffling. Okay. <laughs> Baffling to say the least. Yes. It's, it's, uh, yes. We have to, I might have to challenge you to that because that shit is just too, too great to mess up. So, up next, we have the main event, brother. Like we talked about the mega powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage versus the mega bucks, Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant. I remember this match being really good, crowd liking everything. Obviously, the mega powers win. They win everything. They pose. And then we, we build later on to the eventual split up of the mega powers when Randy Savage goes heel and he fought Hulk Hogan at that next year's WrestleMania. So, you know, very fun card. This card happened and it was, of course, in Madison Square Garden of New York, which is basically the, the F's ter- territory. Um, attendance is 20,000 people. Um, you know, big our market in New York. Um, you know, obviously SummerSlam still goes on to, to, to today. One of the biggest shows in, in WWF, WWE history. Um, you know, SummerSlam this year is going to go to Tennessee and stuff. So, you know, one of the biggest cards, you know, and this started it all pretty much. And, you know, they, they didn't disappoint. You know, that's definitely a big card. That's definitely a big deal. So. For sure. I mean, SummerSlam actually is becoming one of my favorite shows of the year. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. All right. So let's get into the metal, brother. Let's talk a little oh, yeah. bit about the metal. Big so this metal is, month, actually. Yes. So this is 1988. So... Mm-hmm. How about I talk about mine really quick first because okay. I think you got something big for us. So, uh, you know, this movie, when I was watching this movie, I was like, man, this they have some pretty good songs on this movie, The Sleepaway Camp. You know, we got some we got some metal at the beginning. You know, we got a couple of love ballads in, in the middle and stuff. You know, we got some partying going on here. I like it. I kind of like the soundtrack. So when I was doing my research on the Sleepaway Camp soundtrack, I found the, the opening band that we saw in the, the credits and everything at the, at the opening was this band called Anvil. And Ooh. I never, I never heard of this band before, but really? A, yes. But apparently this band is a big influence for bands like Megadeth, you know, Slayer and, and bands like that. Mm-hmm. Apparently. And they're cause they're kind of one of the first metal bands that apparently came out of um, Canada. And then on the sleep on sleepaway camp, they used Anvil's track straight between the eyes. All right, and this came out on their record 
um, Strength of Steel. Now, Strength of Steel got released May 21st, 1987, uh, but they used the track on this this uh, this movie. But it's really good, actually. This band is actually pretty fun. Like, do you know anything about this band, Anvil? I do. I know a lot about Anvil, actually. Anvil is Anvil. Anvil is um, so they were an '80s mm, kind of. I guess you kind of call them a thrash band. Um, it's it's like a cross between thrash and Motorhead is what I would describe Anvil. But they were like one of those bands that just never made it. Like they just never got big for whatever reason. But every band that they every band liked them. So they're like they're like that band. I'm trying to think of another example, but they're like that band that influenced bands that got super famous, but they just never got super famous on their own. Um, they didn't actually get famous to the mainstream until there was a movie made about them maybe 15 years ago, 10 or 15, well, more than 10 years, probably 15 years ago um, about Anvil. It's a documentary and it's about basically they never gave up. They never stopped playing. Um and they continue to play to this day. In fact, they're coming to Greenville pretty soon. Oh, for um, real? Like in, yeah, like in the next couple of months. Oh, shit. Um, I might have to go see I, that. I was about to say, I considered going to that too. Um, but they um, they just never stopped playing, and they would tour wherever they could and make whatever money they could. And this guy, who was a huge Anvil fan, like does a, d- made a documentary about them and their struggles to survive as this band who's just never made it. Um, even though they have all these albums out and they've had all these recording contracts over the years, they just never got big. And um, it's really good. So it's I think it's called Anvil the Movie. Um, okay. Maybe I, we can look it up. It's a really good documentary about a band, an aging band, aging people trying to trying to keep going in this band and work their regular jobs. And it follows them on their, you know, the guy that sings for them. It follows them on his regular job delivering stuff in Canada. And then and then he's like, oh, I'm gonna take. You know, you know, two weeks off and we're going to do a tour of Europe and they tour Europe and um, it's really good. It's really, 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 really good movie. Anybody, everybody should watch that. But yeah, Anvil's still touring to this day. I love Anvil. They're great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was listening to that song straight between the eyes and I was digging it. Like, it's pretty good. Like, you know, it's not as like super thrash and heavy as like, you know, like a Megadeth or Slayer, but it's, it's, it's not like, it's good. It's like really, you know, catchy. I think that the, the singer's great and stuff. Um, you know, during 1988, they released their album. It was a little bit after this movie, and that's probably why they used um, something off the other album that they had in 1987. But on September 21st, 1988, they released the album Pound for Pound. Would you like pound to know? Would you like to know some of the track listing? Oh, I'm dying to know. I know. I know. I always pop you with the track listing. Hopefully, I can pop some of our listeners too. So you know, this is a vinyl. So we have side one and side two. Okay. Mm-hmm. We open the, 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 the album with Blood on Ice, or Blood on the Ice, my bad. Corporate Preacher, um, <laughs> John's favorite song, Toe Jam. Okay. Toe Jam, man. Yes. Maybe one. they'll play Toe Jam when we go see them uh, in Greenville. That'd be nice. Safe Sex. Shit, that wasn't a fucking uh, Sableway <laughs> camp, that's for sure. <laughs> where, does there, all the uh, money, where does all the money go? <laughs> so you can kind of tell like at this point they're starting like the songs he's writing they're starting to get fed up with like yeah record uh, companies the music probably. business yeah, yeah. <laughs> brain burn <laughs> see Nile king 
machine gun, fire in the night, and cramps. Well, we had some cramps in this movie too. So we did. We did, didn't we? <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, check them out, everybody. Like maybe you know, maybe we'll try to go to that show and do like a a, a review of how they did and stuff. You know, because. It, you know, some of the bands that we talk about still play nowadays. You know, obviously, we got that Testament show coming up pretty mm-hmm. soon. Uh, we got the show Anvil, you know. So, you know, if we can make it, you know, if the funds look good enough, you know, if we if if, if we can figure out where the money went, you know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> make, yeah, we'll make it to these shows and maybe do some reviews on them and stuff. Because I think that'd be kind of a little cool part of the, the podcast. Because, you know, me and Allison, we like to live, we like to live the gimmick. You know, we, we live still, the gimmick for sure. We watch these horror movies, even new ones nowadays. Uh, we go to the wrestling matches. We got to go to the rock shows too. So we got to live the gimmick, brother. Absolutely. So what Never do you got died. for us? What do you got for us on the middle? All right. So I got a couple things. Um, one of them is huge. And one of them is um, this thing, the thing I've liked, like, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing lately where I find an un, like a not an unknown band, but a band that a lot of people don't know about and try to shed some light on them. So we'll talk about the big one first. So the day before this movie came out, Metallica released Injustice for All, which is like their big breakthrough album. One of the best metal out. I mean, arguably one of the best metal albums of all time, but yeah, this, that came out the day before this. So we would probably be listening to that on the way to see this movie. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. And we talked about that album before too. So, you know, it's definitely would have been something that we would, uh, we would have the, uh, what do we have? The cassette. We had the tape. Yeah. We'd have probably have that on cassette tape. I'd imagine. We, just, we would have, I would have a nice, uh, three, uh, three cassette tape changer in the Trans Am. So we could put on injustice for all and Anvil and then uh, mm-hmm. compare the two albums. And see what happens. <laughs> yep. And then I'll talk about this a little bit more in depth. But are you familiar with the with the band Forbidden? Hmm. No. But they. I. I no. Okay. They sound kind of familiar, so, but I'm not. I'm not familiar with Forbidden. All right. So they're uh, they're a San, they're a Bay Area thrash band. So they were like, you know, one of the one of the I get not well one of the bigger thrash bands that didn't get huge. Like if you don't count Metallica and Slayer, um, well, Slayer there's some LA, but if you don't count Metallica, then they're one of the bigger bands. So they were, they were playing around the same time. All of those other bands were playing like Testament, violence, death angel, uh, Exodus. Um, and, uh, Paul Bostoff was their drummer who went on to join Slayer later. But, um, two days after this album came out or this movie came out, they released their album um, Forbidden Evil, um, which is um, fantastic, and you should listen to it, and everybody out there should listen to it. But uh, you know they're they're you know a typical thrash metal band. So if you like thrash metal, you'll like it. They've got the two lead guitar players that both play solos back and forth. Um, they're they're great. This album is so so good. Um, there's a song on it um, called. I think it's the title track, yeah, Forbidden Evil. That's absolutely fantastic. Nice. Maybe we'll play some Forbidden Evil on the YouTube page. I mean, yeah, YouTube. Uh, we're about to get a YouTube page here pretty soon, hopefully. But we're going to play on the Facebook page, the yeah. group page, everybody. Join the Retro Blood Facebook page for all extras in the show and all kinds of stuff on there. But we'll play some Forbidden Forbidden Evil. That sounds like pretty pretty, pretty badass shit going on there. Rocking time. Yeah, they're pretty. They're great. But yeah, speaking of forbidden, 
Let's enter sleepaway camp to unhappy counselors. All right. We have a couple forbidden areas of the camp we're not allowed to visit because our girl Angela has that on lock. But let's get to talk a little bit about this movie and some of the some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So oh, this yeah. movie was Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Counselors. Apparently, we haven't talked about this before. We forgot to do it on the uh, the first Sleepaway Camp. Apparently, this, uh, you know, when it was released in the United Kingdom, is not called Sleepaway Camp. It's called Nightmare Vacation. So so we had Nightmare Vacation 1, and now we have Nightmare Vacation 2. Mm-hmm. So I, I, wonder if, I wonder if that's because they don't. They have camps there. I wonder why they did that. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they maybe they don't want to. You know, you know. During you know, it could have been that thing where like they didn't want to like they may. I don't know. They maybe they want the title to be a little bit known. You know, like kind of like okay, <laughs> we don't want to have a, a camp. You know, for okay. kids and stuff, and on our title, so we're just gonna say it's vac- vacation or something. Who knows? Oh, all right, sure. So you know, this movie, you know. I, We've seen it over here. It has a little um, references to famous horror movies, as in Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We saw a little bit of that on this movie. Um, you know, they're just kind of just giving it yeah, a little, little shout-out. So, so apparently, uh, some of the production was, it was a YMCA youth camp in Waco, Georgia, was used mm-hmm. for the for, uh, for the for the actual setting of the camp Rolling Hills, and then apparently the filming began and wrapped up in August 1987. And of course, it was pretty much released one year later. So it was, you know. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say yeah. So it's it shot in Georgia, but it takes place uh, somewhere else, right? Yeah, I'm not sure where the actual place was, but it was just yeah, supposed to be some camp. I don't know if they ever told camp. us that. No. Yeah. So, this movie was released in theaters August 26, 1988, before being released on VHS in the United States by Nielsen Entertainment two months later. So, it had a very limit uh, uh, released in theaters. So, definitely, you would have to, like, scour the the states to see if you could find this movie. So, we would have to do some, uh, some, some, uh, some, some hunting down <laughs> to find yeah, this movie yeah. in theaters. Yeah, we would have had to look for the movie that didn't get, you know, whatever the big movie was that week. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like you were saying before, pretty much we would probably have to find this movie at those drive-in theaters. Or, yeah, or at a lower, older, lower, more rundown movie theater, yeah. Yeah. So, let's see. So, the film, Okay. So, you know, this film is part of the box set. We talked about that before. And obviously, mm-hmm. this movie is going to have a a uh, a third part to it, which we'll be doing here next week on the Retro Blood. Um, continuing the story of, of course, um, the campers. Um, it's just interesting, you know, the... Uh, uh, you know, this is like... And, you know, and we were talked about this before. In the United Kingdom, they didn't... It's weird because... The United Kingdom would like censor stuff, like the blood and guts and the gore and stuff, but they always show like the the nudity. Like they didn't give a shit about the nudity, but they always would cut like the gore scenes and cut it down to make it a little bit more, you know, tame. And that's what they did during this one as well, too. So, well, yeah, but that's typical of like, you know, 
of, of Europe. I mean, you know, UK is not really Europe It's not continental Europe, but that's real typical of Europe. Like they're, uh, they're more, they're, they're definitely more sensitive about violence than they are nudity. And um, Americans are just the opposite. Americans love violence, but they're so, but they're scared of sex. Yes. And of course this film was written by Fritz Gordon and directed by Michael A. Simpson. So definitely something over there. Um, like we talked, like we said before, the main star of Angela, she was Pamela Springsteen. We talked about her, um, and if this movie is going to be taking place five years after the events of the original. Yep. So and now she's a counselor at this uh, camp that was so traumatizing to her the first time she was there. Yes. Well, yes, kind of. It was a, it was a, diff- it was a different camp. But um, they talk about the original one, too. But let's get into it, everybody. Let's get okay. into the Sleepaway Camp 2. Let's break this movie down. See what kind of trouble we can get ourselves into. There used to be this camp about 60 miles from here. Camp Arawak. All these kids started getting killed. Well, it ended up that the killer was the shy 14-year-old girl that everybody picked on. Except she wasn't... Maybe. You're supposed to be in the cabin. Let's go. Wait, what happened to the killer? Whatever happened to the good kids in the world? Oh, (laughs) don't talk like that, Uncle John. There's lots of good kids. We just have to weed out the bad. Remember, ladies, nice girls don't have to show it off. Where's Phoebe? I had to send her home. I found her doing things with the boys last night that she had no business doing. I know the rest of you are nice young ladies and you won't get into any trouble. Let this be a lesson to you. Say no to drugs. Camp Rolling Hills is the best. Oh! being the wicked witch of the west hey but i know what happens when things get out of control you're gonna tell good night campers all right so we open the the movie with some camp counselors Sitting by a fire, telling some ghost stories. So we're going to be starting off hot. We mm-hmm. got our we got our main guy TC. Now we all know what I'm going to talk about with TC. Did you see this guy's mullet? Holy shit! Yeah, um, <laughs> I knew a lot of people when I was growing up that had that exact same haircut. You know, I'm thinking like, okay, you know, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to put myself in the '80s. What haircut would I've had? I would either have that long thrash guy hair you know what i mean where it's kind of like yeah. very like long and curly and lo- looks like it's unkept and i got the bangs in front of me but boy part of me is like i need to get one of these fucking mullets you know what i mean well that's the thing now right like it's all it's like um it's like uh it's the mullet's popular again right like I'm, people are like like it's like all the rednecks have mullets again now yeah well you know you gotta keep it you gotta keep it going man 
I guess so. So our boy TC over here tells a little scary story. And then um, we got some, uh, you know, we basically have a cast over here. So we're meeting some of the people. We have TC is like the main, the main guy counselor, the camp counselor. We have Sean over here. He's kind of like the pretty boy dude. Um, we had, um, we have, uh, Rob, he's kind of like the, uh, the second, like, dude, like the, the, Rob and Sean are friends, you know, and Rob's kind of like the, not necessarily nerdy guy, he's kind of like the in the middle type of dude. Um, and then we just have, you know, we have some, the, the kids over here, the, we have like two age groups of kids. We have one looks like they're like in middle school and then one are, looks like they're in like, um, junior, junior high or something. So the, the the middle school guys are like Judd and Charlie, and then the the younger guys um they're there too, and um uh yeah and then they're just kind of like talking about you know the scary stories and stuff. One of the younger kids um does a comment, and this is when we finally get um no it's Phoebe Phoebe that's right Phoebe. yeah Phoebe's the first girl that she kills okay cool. So we have Phoebe over here, and she's talking about, I got a real story for all of you. And she goes on talking about the um, Angela story from the first movie of, you know, her killing, um, you know, the, the, the kids in their sleeping bags, um, you know, burning up the chef, uh, chopping off the people's heads and stuff, and her eventually getting arrested and stuff. And then during this, we have the, the main counselor woman where we don't get her name at first but we we kind of we kind of learn to find out that this girl's name is angela and she Mm -hmm. takes um she takes her back and gets her out of there she takes phoebe back and and gets her out of there and then she's 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 talking to phoebe and saying like you know why are you out here and stuff why what were you doing out there with the boys she was like oh i'm just having fun with them and then this girl's just like listen here slut and she's like fucking slutting her and stuff. I was like, oh shit, we're starting this thing off hot. Yes. And eventually Great. the Phoebe's talking back a little bit and then they kind of like lose each other. And then Phoebe's asking like, hey, where'd you go, Angela? I'm stuff. I'm kind of scared out here. And eventually Angela knocks her ass out and fucking cuts off her tongue. So we are yes. starting this movie off hot. So we noticed right away that we have Angela. She is no longer a little um, boy. Uh, uh, with the crazy head and blood all over. No, she is now in this. Uh, she is now a camp counselor at this place, and where has an audience saying, "Hmm, how is this going to happen?" So we will see how has an audience of how she actually got here. Um, and I think during that story too, um, they they kind of mentioned a little bit about the what happened. So like Sean was saying, like, "Hey, you know, my dad was like the police officer who arrested the Angela girl." And he was saying that she, well, he got locked up and then basically he, they, he had a surgery and now he's like a, a woman now. They kind of hinted that on the. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. On the You're story. Right. Yeah, they kind of hinted that that happened during the, uh, the time off. The five years, that's what happened. We found out a little bit about Angela's backstory through our boy Sean over here. So we have the metal song. This is when Anvil's rocking us out. Uh, mm-hmm. We have these uh, three blonde girls. Okay, we have Allie, we have Molly, and we have Mare. And then we also have this other girl. Um, 
Phoebe. All right, and yes, and they're all like hanging out. So we're we're establishing all these girls, and it's funny because uh, Allie is the girl who we 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 pretty her role was we had to have you show your tits on every scene. Okay. Yes. You're the, the on your contract. You have to show you their tits at least five times. Uh, sign on the dotted line, and she's like, "Okay, yeah, no problem." Okay. Yep, and I absolutely guarantee you, and that that it was that not presented to her exactly that way, but yes. I guarantee you that they were looking for someone who would do nudity, you know, five six times in this movie, and that was basically what they needed. Yes, because you know we we talked about this a little bit on other reviews, you know. During this particular era of horror movies, if you're a girl, you know, obviously you would have a big role because you would be known as the final girl. But we also have to fill in the role of the slut. Okay, we have to fill in the role of the girl who doesn't mind dancing around naked, uh, having sex with random guys, and then make sure that she is also a villain in her own way as well, too. Well, yes, but that's also part of the... Part, well, part of 80s slasher horror is the is the nudity. Yes. The shower scene, as they talk about it, you know, which, you know, you always had to have one in every movie because, you know, tits sell. Yes. Um, also, th- this isn't, there's a, mo- I would say most of this movie is like an homage to older movies, like you'd brought up earlier a little bit. So, like, this entire opening scene was directly out of the first scene in Friday the 13th, where they're all sitting around at the camp. Yeah, the ghost stories about the killer or the things that the bad things that happened at the camp previously. That's you know this this came directly out of that. So I think all of the the nudity. So it's the nudity in this movie is so blatant. Yeah, that it's <laughs> it's not even like it's not even really story driven. Like like you could say that well we're gonna have an excuse for this person to get naked by having her go take a shower. In this movie, it's just like let's find a reason for this girl to take her clothes off repeatedly. And it's the same girl every single time. So yes. I, I know that that was written in the movie that way, like as, as a, as a funny homage, like it's, it's cause this movie is kind of a black comedy as opposed to a horror film a little bit. Yes. It does have a lot of elements of that in there. And yeah. then of course, you know, we get Angela. She's shown that she is just very straight. Like she's like, Hey, you know, don't be showing off. We all know you have nice breasts, but don't be showing them all off. You know, we're going to start sleeping in the nightgown. And then we're showing that this alley is kind of like the, uh, the, the the rebel type of girl, you know. Um, and then it's funny, too, because we see the two younger kids. And they're, like, freaking snapping pictures of all the naked girls. It kind of reminds me. These younger kids were just, like, <laughs> so just, like, snapping pictures of everybody. All these tick stuff. It's like, come on now. that That's definitely something that all the... Uh, the, uh, the teenage boys and stuff would be doing. So I like that part yeah. of the movie. What do they call themselves? The Titty Patrol? Yeah, the Titty Patrol. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, um, and then of course, uh, the girls are making fun of Angela because Angela's kind of like just a, a, a counselor who just gives them all the rules and stuff. And he's very, very prunish. So. Mm-hmm. so this is when Angela, now she's talking with, we have the camp counselor guy. His name is Uncle John. Uncle John is the the head of this rolling hills camp and angela's talking to him about you know i really like camp i've always been a big fan of the camp and stuff and um he's she, he's asking about phoebe he's like yeah i had to send her home uh last night just because she was fornicating and drinking with all the boys he's like oh well you know 
you know, I'll let you do that this time, but you usually have to go, you know, you gotta let me know when you're gonna be sending people home and stuff. And she, and she agrees. Um, this is when we see, uh, now the kids are back in the, the kids are eating in their little hall and stuff. Um, we have Allie over here. She's, she's getting cat calls from all these guys and stuff. You can kind of tell that the Allie's, she's establishing herself as the hot girl of the movie. And, oh, yeah. um, she she tells the 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 girl um i think it was a mayor she's all like here have my food maybe your tits will grow more then <laughs> like damn yeah, okay she's yeah so she's also the mean girl kind of yes so she's like yeah she's established herself as the mean girl and the hot girl at the same time and then of course you know we see a little tension between her and molly and we see that sean is also a uh, somebody that Allie was trying to get as well too um at first you think it's ali and sean that are dating but it's not um and this is when they they also they're talking about these uh these two girls that are not at the table right now um they called them the shit sisters (laughs) that's fantastic yes because um they always are like drinking and getting high and then of course they asked sean asked molly like hey molly you ever gotten stoned before and of course, Molly is supposed to be the innocent one out of the film, so we're, we're already establishing who the um, the innocent female of our story is. It's going to be Molly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Molly's played by Renee Estevez, who's Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen's uh, sister. I know. When I saw that, I was like, "Wow!" Imagine being Charlie Sheen's uh, sister. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> Might have some stories over there to tell. So then, so a lot. So this is also a uh, a movie where we hear some language that normally in nowadays movies we cannot use at all. Yes. All right. I'm not going to actually say what they called Angela, but they are calling Angela the um, the male of the relationships. Okay. Did I explain that right? I th- I, th- I think so. Anyway, they're calling her like you know she's just a. Uh, I don't know if there's another word we can use. For yes. It. <laughs> they call her the, the D word. So, yeah. Anyway. So, Uncle John. <laughs> Uncle John. This is like, I don't know why this is. Uncle John. So, Uncle I John. Think it's, it's really weird. Yes. <laughs> that, that's what they call him. <laughs> so, Uncle John um, gets everybody's attention and he wants to bring up Angela and he awards Angela as the camp counselor of the week. Everybody's looking at her kind of funny. And then she's like, hey, Angela, can you sing us a song? And the song is this camp counselor song. And, of course, Angela wants Molly and Allie to come sing with her. Molly's all cool about it. Angela's like, I don't want to do it. But then Sean says, go sing. So they all start singing. So then they all start singing. And then Angela's like, okay, everybody starts singing, clapping your hands. I'm like, fuck, if I had to do this at camp. (laughs) Fuck, I would have been like Allie. I'd be like, fuck that shit. I don't want to do that shit. Yeah, I would have already been murdering people at this point. Yes. Okay, so now um, we meet this one character named Diane. And she is literally in two scenes. And this is one of them. So Diane, I guess, is like the backup counselor. I guess there's like... It's weird because there was two main women counselors, but only one main male counselor. Unless you count like Uncle John, I guess. Because we had TC was the main male counselor, but then mm-hmm. we had Diana, and then we had Angela has the two main 
women counselors. But like we barely saw Diane. So basically, the the younger kid, the part of the tits patrol, his name was Charlie. Uh, he wanted to take a pic with Diane because this guy is trying to take pics of all the the older hot women. All right, that's his that's his thing. Exactly. And then of course Diana gives out the orders and stuff. Um, and then this is when TC he he's congr- he's now talking with Angela and he's congratulating her, and he's like, hey, you know, let's go for a swim and stuff. And Angela's like, no, I don't really swim. I don't really swim too well. And then TC like, well, you know, you you gotta you gotta work on your tan. Smooth line there. Yeah. And of course, which is uh, yeah. more more allusions to her not like from the first movie. Not yes. wanting anybody to see her without her clothes on. Exactly. And of course, Angela, she gets really quiet. He He's like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. He offers her some gum. She says she hates green gum. That's just good, man. I love the green gum. Yeah, I don't know. She's just like, I don't know. She hates everything. Yes. Obviously. Green gum. She hates sex. She hates yes. alcohol. And she hates weed. She hates everything. Everything. And then she's just like, hey, you know, the TC's like, hey, you know, I want to discuss, you know, why you sent Phoebe home. And she's like, okay, well, I'll call you later about it. And she leaves. And then TC's like, well, I got no phone. <laughs> and she kind of walks off. So, so now we have the scene of Sean and Molly. Now we're seeing their relationship being built. You know, Sean's talking about his background. So, you know. The, the Sean character, like, I was expecting a little bit, like, more from this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I was expecting, like, a swerve from this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I thought mm-hmm. maybe he was, like, secretly, like, part of the killing or something like that. But apparently, you know, Sean was basically, his backstory was he was going to be in that camp that Angela was originally in. Um, He was going to be a, a kid there. But mm-hmm. he got like sick or something, so he didn't show up. So he wasn't part of the uh, the murders that happened at that camp. Um, apparently, I thought it was because his dad couldn't afford it. Oh yeah, yeah, that, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it's because his yeah, dad, dad didn't have it. enough money to send him. That that's year. right. That's right. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Yeah, he didn't have enough money to send him that year. And then apparently he's been going to this rolling hills. I always want to say rolling rock. You know, like the beer. <laughs> R- rolling <laughs> rock. Rolling rock camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better here's your rolling rock. I was like, fuck yeah. That's not that's not a bad beer though, man. That rolling rock. That's, that's just pretty good. No, I mean, especially if you give it to you when you go to camp. I mean, that's the kind of camp I could be uh yeah. I could be into, you know. We I should know. go to like a rolling rock summer camp. That'd be great. Would we would we be part of the tits crew or <laughs> No, we would definitely be part of the tits crew. <laughs> the tip t- titty patrol. The titty patrol. <laughs> yes. I mean this thing, we could maybe we could start a relationship with Rolling Rock and uh, yes. have that. We could have the Rolling Rock summer camp or we have Yes. Uh, we all go camping out in the woods and have metal bands play and we could drink rolling rock all day. Yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be, be great. great. That would be nice. Get some get some get some rock stars over there and shit. Mm-hmm. Or we'll, we'll by Anvil, get them a booking. <laughs> Can Anvil the headline. Uh-huh. Yes. So uh he's also talking about like, you know, his dad was the cop um that was on the scene. Um and then he's going on to this backstory that didn't really go anywhere where like his like mom divorced his dad or something like that, and his mom dated some foot doctor and then his dad he basically lives with his dad and then he um he comes he comes to camp to kind of give his dad a break and he's been coming to this camp for three years like i said like i thought there was going to be a little bit more with this character like some sort of swerve but we didn't really like mm-hmm. get no swerve from our boy sean over here and of course sean he's like the uh he's like the good looking guy he's like the uh the eye of all the girls uh you know he 
everybody's liking him, but he he likes Molly because Molly's the innocent one. And of course, you know, Molly's backstory was her family is basically like the Brady Bunch. Okay. I think she actually says that, doesn't she? Yes, yes, she does. Yeah. <laughs> so this part's a little little funny. We have our boy Rod. Oh, he's talking about how Rod. great a how, yeah Rod, how great a football he is. All right, while he's talking to Allie, and obviously he has a thing for Allie, and then he sees Allie take off her shirt, like her her bathing suit top underneath her shirt, and she and Allie's just like, Rod, I'd be super pissed if you throw me in the water. And of course, he throws her in the water, and this is so we can get the whole. Wet t-shirt gimmick. Yep. And of course she goes up to Sean because she's trying to get with Sean because Sean is flirting with somebody else, but she wants him. And she does the whole wet t-shirt tit gimmick. Uh, Sean blows it off because he has another piece of ass he's looking for Molly. But boy, our, our boy Charlie is over there. He's like, up, oh, up, oh, tits, five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wet t-shirt gimmick works every time. Works every time. And then of course... Um, Sean and Molly, they go off, and Allie looks a little pissed. So this is when we get Sean putting up some flags. And then now, um, Angela, she is looking for the Shell sisters, which was the shit sisters that everybody the likes to sisters. call them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's looking for him and, and, and Ralphie. All right? So basically, she finds them the uh, kissing. All right? The, because... Earlier, we saw the, the Shell sisters, we saw Angela kind of like creeping up on them a little bit, and they were basically drinking and getting high. So the big thing yeah. about the Shell sisters, they're like the, the, the party girls. Yeah, they're the fun ones. Yes. So this is when we get them, uh, you know, th- we get this rock guy just kissing up on this girl and stuff, and eventually Angela tells him, you know, runs him away. Um, and then I guess one of the Shell sisters, we didn't really get their names, we just got the, the sisters, they lumped them together. And one of them just like passes out. So, and then this this part was coming up next. This part was actually the 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 to me this was like the creepiest scene in the whole movie. And I didn't see this one coming. And I thought it was like very. I don't know. I just thought this part was like the creepiest scene, and I thought it was like really well done. So nope, we have yeah. we have one of the the shell sisters. She wakes up after her her binging of drinking and getting high and trying to get fucked. Um, she is now placed on a grill, like one of those outside grills. I was like, okay, where is this going? And then we have Angela. It looks like she was like pouring like gasoline on her. And the girl wakes up and she wakes up quick and she sees a burnt body in her face. Like a whole burnt skeleton. Right, right, right in front of her. And this is when Angela's like, um, he's like, oh yeah, you know, you're awake and stuff. And you know, it's just very, it's just, and she's going on, she's kind of giving her like a talk saying like, hey, you know, it's your fault that you and your bad habits brought your sister down. So basically, Angela burnt the sister that she was with because the other sister, while this one Shell's uh, sister was getting like kissed on and everything, the other one just was already sleeping. So when she kidnapped them, she burnt the first sister and she places the burnt corpse in front of this sister and then now she's saying, like, the reason this sister is dead because of your bad habits that you're doing. And then she started burning her ass. And I was like, this is a fucked up shit here. Yeah, it was dark. This was really dark. Yeah. Um, especially, like, with the kind of humor, humor, sort of humorous, like, part we've had so far in the movie. This was, like, really, really dark. Uh, I didn't expect it in this way. I thought something would happen and then she would get away or something. But, nope, that didn't happen. She, she set her on fire and burned her alive. Yes. 
So, after this scene happens, um, we have some kids. Um, they, they, they tell them to leave. And this is when we have Uncle, Uncle um, John and then Angela are talking. And they're saying, okay, we got... Um, oh, so, basically what happens is, you know, after this scene happens, we have, like, this whole scene of, like, this kid who's, like, a brat. You know, she's, like, doing some painting. We, we have a couple scenes. It looks like, it looks like blood, but it's, it's paint on the floor. And this girl is going off and off about how she hates camp. She wants to get out of here. And eventually they, they, they get her out of the camp because she just refuses to stay there. All right. The smart one of the movie. So, and then after this, you know, the, they the John's like, okay, we got two down. We only have 38 kids to go. You know, that's how much we have left. And, and then Angela's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Actually, I actually had to send like, it's actually going to be four down. I had to send three, com- three kids home yesterday. He's like, what the hell? You're like, you can't just keep sending kids home without my permission. She's like, well, I gave you, I, I let you know about this one. You know, it just won't happen again. So basically, every time Angela is killing somebody, she says she's basically sending them home. Okay. Right, which is a recurring thing that yes. becomes ridiculous in this movie. Yes. But they just constantly like get sent home. So all these kids are disappearing, which yeah. kind of happened in the first movie too. Because if you remember what we had that thing where, they finally meant to say that they there's they can't even field a baseball team because they don't have enough kids left. Yes, yes, exactly. And then uh, the the funny lines. Well, why did you send them home? Well, they were drinking and fornicating. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so now we're at nighttime. We have some of the girls are in the cabin. Um, they noticed that the Angela tells the whole girl crew, "Hey, I had to send these uh these sisters home." Uh, and then, like, you know, the other girls really don't care because they don't think it's too much of a big deal. They kept calling her the D word. Uh, we had some creepiness going outside. And Angela's saying, hey, I'm going to go do this meeting. I had to go to this camp meeting. Everybody go to sleep. Uh, this is when we get a little bit talking um, about uh, Molly and Sean of how, like, you know. And then uh, the other, the the one girl there, uh, um, uh, Fody. It's saying, hey, there's somebody creeping out there. There's somebody out there. And they eventually hear a noise. And it's basically all the guys, they come in and they go to their respective females and they grab their panties and bra and they steal some and they, they throw it up in the air. Which I guess is a thing. Yes. I mean, I wish I did that at camp. That would have been awesome. But <laughs> like, <laughs> This camp was pretty fun compared to the fucking camps I went to. Shit, I've all never I remember, been to a camp, so all, I don't know what that's like. All I remember in the camp, like I said, like I said, I think I said this before. Like, well, the only thing I remember about camp in my head was there was a Mountain Dew, um, uh, or like not not Mountain Dew, but there was like a Coke machine, and my my drink got stuck, so I fucking banged on that thing, and then I don't know what happened, but every soda popped out of this fucking machine, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm just taking like four or five sodas, and I ran away with it. So I remember that part of camp. And then I remember being in this fucking room where we're just laying down the whole time and it's fucking hot as shit. I didn't see no tits or ass. I wasn't part of the tits crew. There's a bunch of dudes hanging around everywhere. Mm. I want to go to this rolling rolling this rock is camp. A better, this, is yeah. rock camp. this is a better camp. Yeah. camp for sure than the ones you went to. Yeah. Besides all the killing, and I probably could have done without that. But anyway, <laughs> so Angela comes in. And she is like, I'm going to tell Uncle Tom about all of this. And she forces all these guys to go off. Sean stands up to her a little bit saying, hey, they weren't doing anything wrong. And she's like, just, you know, tell them to get out of here and stuff. And then she and then, you know, Angela's looking around. She's like, listen, 
girls. I don't like being the wicked uh, witch of the West. But, you know, we can't have, be having this stuff happen all the time. All you need to go back to sleep. And then eventually the girls make fun of her saying, you know, doing, telling her she is the wicked witch and stuff like that. So we're seeing that any kind of like naughtiness, this Angela girl cannot stand. And she's also saying, get the place cleaned up. Yeah, so you see how this is going. So she's like, um, I mean, they've they've established that Angela is like the uh, the no fun counselor who's also murdering anybody who wants to have fun. Yes, and now the girls are just like, hey, you know, screw this girl. We are gonna go get the boys back, and they're gonna go play with their jock straps, and they're gonna go at late at night because Angela will be sleeping, so they don't have to worry about her. So they do that. They go to the males. <laughs> this part's kind of funny. They go to the males' room and starts messing with them and doing the same thing that they that the males did with their like bra and panties. They do it with their jock straps. And we got our boy TC. He's like, oh fuck, just wake me up when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't give a shit. And then eventually the girls are going crazy. Eventually Mary shows off her tits, and then right when she, Mary shows off her tits, Angela walks shows up, and now everybody's like, oh crap, the girls showed up. And Angela takes Mary out of there. And then, um, so basically, Mary, which she doesn't be, she doesn't like to be called Mary. She likes to be called Mayor. Talks Mayor. to Angela in the car, and Angela's like, "Listen, Mary." He's like, "I don't like to be called Mary. It's Mayor, whatever." So she's saying, like, you know, I know you're trying to oppress Allie. You know, I you gotta stop being a follower. You need to be more of a leader. How about you come out with me and the rest of the girls tomorrow night and we'll go camping and you can start being a little bit nice. And she's like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't even want to be here anymore, you know, because of you and stuff. And, you know, she's like, Angela's like, the only thing you got to do is you got to apologize to me and you can leave. And she's like, no, I'm not going to apologize to you. I'd rather die. And then Angela starts going for something. She's like, where are you going for a gun? She's like, no. I was going for a drill. And then she fucking drills her ass. <laughs> I love this scene. And where they're in the car yeah. and she's, she's like rummaging around in the back and she's yeah. just like, what are you looking for? A gun? Yeah. It's like, no, a drill. <laughs> and drills her face. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. We would be loving this movie at this point if we watched this in the theater, by the way. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like, I would be like, this fucking, this movie is, I, I like watching it when I did over, you know, just right now. So I definitely like it in the theaters. That's for sure. I was like, fuck yeah. Get that girl. So Rob has a date. All right. Um, and then, so we got the, the kids, uh, the, 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 not the younger kids, but the two middle kids, the, um, oh God, the Judd and, and Judd. And um, Judd and Judd, yeah, Judd and Anthony, I believe their name was. Yes, yeah. They have a plan to scare and Angela, because you know Angela is kind of like the 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 counselor that everybody you know doesn't like, and they have a plan to scare her and set her straight. And they ask Sean to join, and Sean's like, ah, maybe, but I got other stuff to do. And they're like, oh, I bet you do. And they're they're kind of like winking at Molly and stuff. So you know, we we got that established there. Um, so this part's pretty funny. So TC has some words with the whole camp. 
Okay, because we, we have a couple of stuff missing from the camp, Allison and everybody out there. We have a couple of stuff missing from the camp. Do you want to hear what, what's missing from the camp? Yeah, I was thinking, I was going to ask you that. What could be missing from the camp? Yes. Tell us, James. So we have a Camp Rolling Hills sweater. Okay, mm -hmm. or a sweatshirt. We okay. have a blue. Yes, yes. I mean, those are very valuable. Yeah. Okay. I mean, come on, man. It's about 20 bucks. So we got a blue and white towel is missing. Um, we have a, a, <laughs> we have a, 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 a black Ray-Ban sunglass is missing. Okay, fair enough. Yes. And we have a saw. Everybody's kind of like looking around when they saw a saw. We have 50 feet of rope missing. We have the battery from my car. Everybody starts laughing. We have uh, a portable drill is missing. Ooh. Wonder why. Yes. Ten pairs of panties. Three bras. <laughs> and then we have a... Uh, and then <laughs> it's funny when he says that. He's like, you've been a busy boy, Rob. <laughs> then we have four athletic supporters, in which one guy, I think it was uh, Judd, says, oh, that's one of mine. And then one girl, the, the phobia goes, which one? Was it the bra or the panties? And everybody starts laughing. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, when this stuff first started, I kind of wondered, um, do they inventory the towels? Yeah. Like, how does he know there's a single towel missing? Like, do they count, do count the towels every day to make sure they're all there? Yeah, you know, you got to have the, yeah, you got to have at least five per room. You okay, know what I mean? Well, so if there's one enough. missing, I mean, come on, it's a big deal. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Yes. So this is when, um, you know, Rob tells a little bit about Allie. That he, he he's uh, you know kind of into the alley girl. So this is when we have Angela. She's like laying by like this cabin that says no trespassing. It's very de, uh, de, how, how does he say it? The the dilapidated mm. cabin. Yes, she's like singing dilapidated this cabin. Dilapidated cabin. She's singing. She meets with Molly. This is when we see, you know, Molly, she's like, hey, how'd you find me here? Oh, I followed you and stuff. And she's like, well, why'd you follow me all the way up here? Molly's going on saying like, you know, I'm just having a little trouble. I really like this Sean guy, but I feel like this Allie girl is getting in my way. I feel like Sean's going to go with Allie um, because, you know, all these guys like to date cheerleaders. They don't like nice girls like me. Angela's saying, yes, they do like nice girls like you guys will just realize that and stuff. And was I a help? And she says yes. So I recapped that really fast. But basically, we're showing a relationship between Molly and Angela where they're both like the nice goody-two-shoe people. Right. We got that? This, yeah. This is also, too, when Allie said, or, or this is when Angela said, listen, I'm still a virgin, all right? And it's good to be guys like the nice girls and stuff. You know, it's always good to be proper. All right, so this is when we're at the arts and crafts, and the kids like I guess are like dipping their hands and stuff. And Angela yeah. and it says like every time the kid dips the hand in in Angela's box, it says, "Oh, this is dead teenager brains." And Diane's like, "What's really in there?" She says, "Dead teenager brains." Okay, right, because it probably really is. Yes, and then we have the uh, the crew of Judd and his friend making some horror mask. Uh, so they could scare Angela. You can already see that one of them already has a hockey mask. So it's going to be copying Jason. Mm -hmm. um, this is when we had the two. that We had the tits crew. 
um, they the tits patrol. They are looking at pictures of the all the girls that they took naked. So we go through all these pictures. Eventually, Angela sneaks up behind them in their cabin. She's like, "What are you looking at? Give me those pictures." She looks through all the pictures. She eventually sees herself kind of on there too. She gets upset and she tells them she's gonna go tell um um Uncle 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 John about all this stuff. And then and then the kid uh, Charles is like, "Oh shit, was Angela's pictures in there?" The guy's like, "Yeah, damn it." Um, so this is when Angela, she wants, uh, Charlie and his friend sent home. Uh, TC says like, you know, well, first, uh, uh, Angela shows TC the pictures and he's like, oh, nice tits. And she, you know, Angela gets all <laughs> pissed off and stuff. And he's like, okay, I'll handle it. She's like, no, we need to send them home. He's like, uncle John will never send these kids home. They've been coming here for years and stuff. I'll handle it. And eventually, um, you know, he, he just want to prove that sending these kids home. And then, uh, like I said, TC said he will handle it and stuff. And then he, and then you know, TC's like, "Hey, you know, just to warn you, I heard, I heard a couple of the kids are going to be trying to scare you tonight, so just be on the lookout." And and Angela's like, "Don't worry, but I'll handle it." So we can see some mm-hmm. tension between these two. So we got the one kid; he's dressing up as Freddy to get ready to scare Angela tonight. And we have Molly, we have Allie. And we have Phoebe that are at the camping site. And they said, Angela's supposed to be here. She's not here yet. Uh, because this is part of the what Angela was talking about, the uh, the girls' sleep out that was tonight. And this is when they're, um, you know, they're, they're listening. To, uh, this is when Phoebe's just saying, like, you know, I, I can't have these kids come out here and scare me. I can't get in trouble with this Angela or get home and my parents will be pissed. And then she goes on to tell Allie, hey, you got some pretty good music for some sort of white suburban girl. So... Mm. They're, I, okay. I think they're playing like um, either Obsessed or Anvil, one of the, one of the two artists on there. Um, so during this, this is when we get the kids. They're like sneaking up. One's in the Freddy, and then one's in the Jason. Uh, one kid loses his glove, the kid with the Freddy. And then the, the Jason kid was like, hey, man, I got to go take a piss. All right, so you better find that glove. All right. And then, you know, he looks around for the glove, looks around for the glove. He sees the glove. The glove has a hand on it now. And it cuts his throat. So there he goes. And then eventually the the kid who was playing the Jason. He's taking his piss. Looking around. And then he gets attacked. Well he actually sees in the shadow. That we now have. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface. Is there. And apparently Angela. In about less than a minute. Cut off. Uh, <laughs> this this kid's face. Um, put Put the face on her face. Grabbed the chainsaw, had the outfit, and then now killed this other kid who was dressing up as Jason, all in a span of like maybe less than a minute. Yeah, all in the amount of time it would take this kid to go piss somewhere. Yes. And this kid did, did use the uh, F word, uh, the one we can't use for nowadays. You would never hear that word used in movies nowadays, too. So that's another uh, thing that would never happen. Um, mm. And then after uh, Angela, you know, this scene was pretty cool, but, you know, this this is the we're gonna give homage to the famous horror movies at this particular time you know how'd you feel about all that doing that you know i didn't hate it i mean i thought i mean i think this whole movie is an homage to like the all the camping movies you know all the summer camp movies yeah um like you know the burning and friday the 13th and uh all the other ones that they made which were several 
Final Nightmare and quite a few. So I didn't, it didn't bother me. I think I thought it was fairly, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was fitting, I guess you could say. Yes. No problems with it from me. So this is when Angela shows up in her Leatherface outfit. The girl's scared and they tackle her because they think it's one of the, one of the boys, <laughs> but it's not. It was Angela. She's saying, oh, you knew they were going to scare us. Like, yeah, I had a feeling. She's like, where's Allie? Allie has cramps. She's like, oh boy, I know what that means. So this, uh, so this, everybody was, um, this might have been my <laughs> my favorite scene in the movie <laughs> because it was just so random. I was like, okay, so okay, we know that Allie is kind of like the she wants to get some sex, okay. Mm-hmm. So we we knew we established that she kind of wants to have Sean, but Sean's too gung ho on this Molly girl, so right. she has a backup, which the backup is Rob. But Allison, can you explain to me what the hell this was? It looks like they were like tackling each other and like falling down. Just, I, you know, I get it when you're very passionate. You want to get that sex going on. You want to do some foreplay, but like, this was just weird. Like, we have like Andrew, she's like, they're struggling to take the clothes off. Uh, they fall down. There's some, you know, I like the music. I like the setting and the music and the two little candles there. Then they get into like the bathtub. He's like, they're like rubbing on each other a little bit, and the guy couldn't figure out how to get off the brawl, which was funny. And then, like, they're like falling down. It's like this is so uncoordinated. <laughs> I I don't know. I think it's just a typical 1980s sex scene, and it like where yeah. they're like uh, they're so excited to get you know to finally have sex with each other or whatever that they're all just like like trying to take off their clothes as fast as they can, and they all trip and fall over everything. Yeah. I feel like that's in a lot of 80s movies. Yeah. It just I at first I thought okay maybe we didn't have the the rating to do like a full sex scene or something so we gotta like make it up like this but anyway Angela shows up she first tries to turn on the chainsaw um but and it doesn't start it doesn't start so she starts calling out Allie's name Allie tells uh, Rob to hide eventually Allie gets outside when she gets dressed she's like you know I got cramps and stuff and that's why I'm in here and then she basically blows Angela off and she leaves. She said, like, you know, the cramps, they run really bad in my family. That's why I get them. Because, like, Angela's like, you got those two weeks ago. She's like, no, they run really bad. They go on a little bit, you know. She's like, well, why was the door locked in? She's like, it was was just locked because I had the cramps. And it's like, oh, nice outfit. Your blood looks like ketchup. Of course, it's real blood. (laughs) Of course, yeah. (laughs) So now TC, he is now um, asking for Judd and Anthony. The two guys who are playing Freddie and Jason, he can't find them at all. He's asking Molly and Sean, like, have you seen him? He's like, no, nah, I haven't seen him and stuff. He's like, damn, those freaking kids. I got to go look for them now. So he's he's kind of worried about them. So he has to go look for the forest and see where they're at because they didn't check in. They're not around. Uh, so this is when Sean, he's going to go help him look as well, too. Uh, Molly talks to Allie. And she asks Allie, do you want to go play ball? And Allie basically goes off on her. She's all like, don't pretend that you like me. You know what I mean? She's all like, "We know that, you know, sh- you know, you're you're all about Sean stuff. Have you even, have you even had, uh, have you even had sleep with Sean yet?" She's like, "Mom's like, this is none of your business." Well, just to let you know, he's a lousy lay. I was like, "Okay," and then okay. you know, Molly is going on saying like, "You know, why are you acting like this to me and stuff?" She's like, "I know you don't like me. We could just pretend like we don't like each other. Just what I want you to do is just don't talk to me, and then just stay away from me." So Angela's obviously and I don't get along and we've already established that they, they don't get along too well. 
Uh, let's see. And she's all like, don't tell Angela this stuff too, because the D will probably send me home. All right. <laughs> yeah. So like course, everybody else, right? Yes. And then Angela, you know, is in there. So Molly's in there kind of upset. She talks to Angela and she actually tells her what happened. She's like, hey, I just mean, first out, Angela thinks it's Sean. And they broke up, but she's like, no, we didn't break up. It's like this alley girl. She's just very mean to me and stuff. And, um, you know, she is, uh, uh, you know, just getting onto my case and stuff. She's like, well, just, you know, don't, don't worry about her. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take care of her. It's like, well, no, you can't say anything because she said, if I told her you that you would send her home. So please, please don't tell her anything. She's like, okay. She's like, well, how about you just go outside, go for a nice swim and get your mind off there. She's like, I can't go swimming. She's by there. She's like, this part is pretty funny. She's like, oh, she's probably not by there. She's probably fornicating. And of course, <laughs> and of course we cut it. And our girl, yeah. fucking Allie, she is fornicating. She's getting it on, brother. She fucking robs like, listen, I got a fucking, uh, got a football steal over here. I'm going to get you some of that football steal over here, girl. And they're fucking uh, doing it. Angela's having a good time and everything. Rocking and rolling, 80 style. She you mean Allie. Oh, yeah, Allie, Allie. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I got too excited. All right. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're all getting it on and stuff. And um, she, after she's done, she's like, oh, yeah, that was great. And she was all like, uh, she's basically just blowing them off, saying um, that was she great. Says, uh, she says uh, something like, listen, you don't have AIDS or anything. Yeah, do you? yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, that was great. You know, thanks a lot. And she's like, hey, you don't got like AIDS or nothing, do you? <laughs> and she's all like, you know, I'm out of here. And she just leaves. The guy was like, what the fuck? So basically, you know, Ali, she's using this guy for some sex. So now Ali, she sees a note. It says, Ali, uh, meet me by the cabin at five. And it's Sean. So Sean, it looks like Sean left her a note. And then, and then like, <laughs> I thought this part was funny too. She's like, Sean, I knew you'd come around. Sean, I knew you'd come around. I knew you'd come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Allie goes to meet Sean at the spot where the spot was that abandoned cabin that we established that Angela is connected to. Yep. And she's like, sorry, I'm late. Cabin. Yes. The dilapidated cabin. She's like, sorry, I'm late. She's like, oh, damn. She's like, um, she's like, God damn. Cause you don't see, see she doesn't see, um, Sean anywhere. She's you think Molly was just fucking with her. She's like, God damn Molly. And then Angela pops up. She's like, God damn Allie. And Angela basically he's like stabs her in the back after all this. And then she like brings her to like a, a the toilet section uh, of yeah. this dilapidated part and she puts her her fucking head into the toilet thing. He's like, What do you see in there? What do you see in there? She says, I see shit. Yeah, and she's like, Yeah, because you're a shit friend and you wasted your looks. Um, all those looks and stuff and what you fornicated with all these guys are just wasting yourself. What else do you see in there? It's like, oh, I don't see anything. It's like, well, let's just take a dive in there and see. Then she pulls, pulls her in the fucking porta potty. Apparently, there's yeah. a bunch of leeches in there. The leeches are eating her skin, mixed in with poop, and she just drowns her ass in there, too. So there goes Allie. Is this the, is this the first time we've uh, encountered the death by shitter? No, because in the first movie, remember that guy died on the shitter? With the, bee, uh, well, with the bees? But he's not in the shitter. No, he's not in the shitter, no. Have we ever seen anybody drowned in shit in a movie before? 
That we reviewed? No, but I'm pretty sure it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just want to point that out that this yes. is this is kind of unique. But anyway. Yes. Continue. And there's leeches in the shitter too. So Yeah, of course. And then of course Angela's like, I should have killed you first. You're the person that should have been first to go. So this is when all the kids are like, they're like kind of in the hall and stuff. Rob is asking Sean and, Sean and Molly, like, hey, have you seen Allie? And and Molly's like, oh, she's had really bad cramps lately. That's why she's been sitting up. And then Rob's like, no, she hasn't been doing cramps and stuff. She's been with me. And Sean's like, man, you shouldn't be messing with that Allie girl, man. She's bad news. All right. And, and then like, and then Rob's like, man, I, I keep thinking about that old story that you told me during the camping thing with the, the Angela and stuff and. We got a couple of kids missing here. And Sean's like, oh, no, the kids are not missing. The fucking, the two kids, like, Rob and all of them, they probably just went on a beer run. <laughs> and the other girls are just, like, they're just, you know, not not anywhere. So, and then this is weird. This is, Sean's like, no, let me tell you something about that, that, that old camp. You know, I was supposed to go there and everything. And, you know, I heard the, the killer, his, the real name of the killer was Peter. And Peter was supposedly only supposed to be killing the bad people from all this stuff and he's like so how bad do you think Allie is and of course Rob's like really bad <laughs> <laughs> so I was like so we're getting that's why that's why like the like I said man the Sean character was like weird because like he would always know like this backstory about everything but it didn't really like nothing like formed of it I thought he was gonna be like right. in cahoots maybe with the killer but he but you know not really but yeah Okay, so this is when we have, um, we're back in the cabin, uh, the girls' cabin, and Phoebe is just saying, like, hey, you know, she was like, she's in there, um, she tells the, the, the two little kids, the tits crew, to don't splash her with water because they have a prank they're going to pull on Angela with this water. Um, Angela's there and the, they're like singing a little bit and, and she eventually, uh, she goes on saying like, Hey, you know, this is kind of strange. I just wanted to tell you, Angela, you know, I was bored and stuff at the hall today and I started to call up Phoebe's parents to see how she was doing. And they said Phoebe was still here at the camp and, and Angela's like, Oh, okay. Well, what did you do then? She's like, well, I didn't really know what to do. I just kind of like went with it and hung up. And she's like, okay, good. And this is when Angela's just like kind of like walking around the house to try to find something to kill this girl with, basically. And then she's just talking about, like, yeah, you know, after that, then I called the the the, the Schultz sisters, and they weren't there either. And then I I called um, Mayor's family, and that one was weird because I talked to the brother, and then I got on the mom and stuff, and they didn't. They said that she was here, but she said they could stay here because the girl's a brat. <laughs> and then eventually. <laughs> And then eventually Angela comes up to her. It's like, you talk too much. And she strangles the fucking girl. So there goes, there goes, there goes the phobie. There she's gone. Then we have another girl walk in. Apparently this girl's name is Judy. She walks in. She sees phobia dead. And then she sees Angela. She's like, what the hell's going on? Why are you going to do this to me? He's like, because you saw her and you'll talk. And then she stabbed that one too. So we got two dead bodies in the, in a row over here. Um, Angela Charger goes out for a minute. She gets splashed. She goes back inside. This is when we get, um, you know, her killing the uh, the Judy girl. And let's see. This is when we get some wolves howling. Uh, Shaw and Molly hug. And they kiss while Angela singing Kumbaya, my lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought this scene was really weird, too, where she's, like, singing the camp song, yes. like, by herself or whatever. Yes. 
So now Molly has walked in. She sees all the empty beds. And Angela's like, hey, me and you are the only two left now. I had to send the two other ones home. And Angela's like, you know, Molly's kind of like, you know, what's going on here? And then she's like, they, I guess Angela starts having nightmares now. This part I thought was kind of weird. So it's like right in the middle of the movie, we get a recap of every person she's killed. And then we get, and then we get the, that, that camp counselor song chopped and screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I thought this was odd too. It's almost like it's a rewrite or something. Cause she's, mm-hmm. cause like you, you get the idea that this is why, you know, this, this is, you know, you get the idea that this is her mental illness or whatever that she had from the first movie, yeah. but we never have an issue like this before. Like, you would think that you would show her having nightmares or something throughout the whole movie, but... Yeah, it just is one scene. So. so, now it's the morning time. Uncle John has now fired Angela. He's like, listen, I told you, you gotta let me know when you send people home. <laughs> Alright, so you... I thought are, this was hilarious. I did too. I did. TC's like... Listen, you had me scared to death. I, I was looking for, for Judd and Anthony all day. I thought they were dead. And she's and then Angela's like, uh, if I say I'm sorry, uh, I'll never have it happen again. Can I stay? They're like, no, I need you gone here before lunch. All right, this is when Angela, she goes up to Molly, tells her she got fired, says Diana will be your new head counselor now. And, um, and now um, she has to be alone. Angela does. Uh, Molly goes up to... To the to the male's um, counterpart, um, um, Shaq talks to Judd and needs Sean. Sean comes out, uh, says like Molly says like, "Hey Sean, like the fucking they're sending Angela home. They're firing her and stuff." And then Rob's like, "Good, send that crazy bitch home." <laughs> and then Molly's like, "Hey, we really didn't want to go talk to Angela. And let's go talk to her and see if we can help her out and stuff. You know, kind of cheer her up." So they go out to her favorite spot, which is that abandoned, uh, di- dilapidated shack. Shack, yeah. They talk a little bit with her up there. Um, you know, Sean. Um, you know, Sean tells um, Sean tells Rob to be like, "Hey, tell TC I'll be out with Angela and Molly." All right. So they meet Angela. They complain about TC and how TC hates her. She hated her from the beginning and stuff. She's like, Angela tells a story like, yeah, I used to come to camp a long time ago and I had this kid that was getting on to me a lot and I actually drowned him. I was like, okay, I came out of nowhere. So she's kind of like revealing some of her secrets of what she does. And then eventually Sean just goes into the cabin. She's like, don't go in there. And then he sees a fucking house full of dead bodies. We see all the people who, who Angela has killed throughout this whole movie, all like, in place around this cabin. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, is exactly cool. like a scene in Friday the 13th part two. Yes, exactly. And he starts like, what the fuck's going on here? It's funny too. Cause Andrew just comes in there and whacks him with a stick. <laughs> it goes like right down these, these, the scenes where they whacked each other with the stick look like Hulk Hogan chair shots. They were so weak. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Rob now tells TC that Molly and Sean went with Angela, and, and then Tisa's like, Well, Angela's about to get her ass kicked. And Rob's like, Hell yeah. So now Angela has tied up Sean and Molly, and now she's talking about like poison food and stuff. She's like, These kids don't know how to eat food nowadays, it's all poison and stuff. And then she talks about french fries. Eventually, she hears TC in the background asking for Sean and Molly. 
he eventually just walks right in to the cabin and Angela just opens the door and just throws fucking acid on his face. So there goes TC and do jack shit. So, and then she's like, I knew your battery would come in handy. Because he basically used the uh, the battery fluid from uh, his, his battery car that got stolen earlier has acid to burn his face. Yeah, from the missing battery. Yes. Um, so this is when he tries to feed Angela. Then he feed, tries to feed Sean. And this is when he... he, he uh, takes off she takes off his mask or his little thing that's covering his throat and then and this is when our boy sean he is all like you're not angela uh, you're not angela johnson you're angela baker you're the one that killed those kids all those years ago better known as peter it's like how did you even get to this camp she's and then this is a weird story she said two years ago she went through all kinds of treatment so she's better now. She went through electric shock, pills, and a ton of therapy. And after two years, they thought she was great, and they just sent her back to camp. Did I get all that right? Sounds about right, yeah. They uh, <laughs> gave her all this uh, treatment for her uh, situation, and then they just sent her right back to camp again because that was the obviously worked for her the first time. Yes, because she is cured now from the 80s medical system. And then, and then he goes on saying, my dad's the one who originally arrested you. And he got all, he was getting all upset when you actually broke out free. And then, and then, and then, um, I didn't like, they like, they're like showing like some of the, uh, well, yeah. So basically he goes like, mm-hmm. you know, my dad's the one who arrested you. And he was all mad when he got free. And then Andrew's like, okay, well. Let's see how your dad's going to like handle this one. And she just chops his head off. And there goes the Sean character. Like, yep. what was his whole point of his backstory? His point was that he knew what was going on, but it didn't help anybody or affect the story at all. How the fuck did he know what was going on? He didn't help. He was the one that was denying everything. No. Well, yes, but he's the one that, well, no, he's not not the one that knew. He's the one that figured it out because his dad arrested uh, Angela. Yeah, Rich. he figured it out when he's all tied up and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like at the towards the end of the movie. Well, yes. Because okay. when yeah, Rob he, was like, "Hey, I think there's something going on here. I think I was saying about that story." Our boy Sean was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's not happening here." Yeah, this he was just making up excuses about everything. So this guy who was supposed to know all this backstory about all this shit didn't do jack shit. So <laughs> well, okay, good point. Good point. I th- listen. The character to me just didn't do anything. Like I get why he was oh. there because he was supposed to be like the hot guy, you know, so the girls can fawn over him a little bit and Molly can have a love interest. But that's why he was there. He didn't do jack shit. Like he didn't even like, yeah. link any. He just basically said, "My dad was the one who rescued you." Uh, like, oh fuck, I'm dead now. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, right. Well, Molly and Angela are the only real characters in the whole movie, anyway. Yes. Uh. So after this, you know, then we see all the dead bodies. They would do like a whole circle cam. And like, I'm sorry, the girl who played Angela, she was still breathing. Okay. <laughs> like they, we, we could maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see her bring back in the, in, in, in the, in the prequel. Yeah. Maybe she survived. Yes. So after all this is happening, um, Angela wants uh, Molly to eat. All right. She said, like, you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea. And then she goes on, like, we had this. Did you see the album that was, like, laying by them? Flotsen and Johnson. 
Do you know what that is? Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah, they're uh, they're a thrash metal band. Oh, nice. Because their record was just like sitting right there. Yeah, Jason cool. Newstead from Metallica was in Flotsam and Jetsam oh, nice. before he was in Metallica. There we go, man. Little little tropes there. Hmm? Uh, thrash all over this. So that's why this movie was oh, pretty yeah. good. So I did like that. I like that part. This one, one part, one funny part too. Angela's like, oh, well, look at that. Look who's on TV. And it's Sean's head near the TV. So that part was pretty funny. And then, Angela, oh, sorry. Angela, <laughs> she says, I got to go. But, you know, Sean and TC will keep you company. Of course, they're both dead. Um, this is like when Angela's like, she's pulling another body. Apparently, it's Matt. Uh, the guy who is like just some random counselor guy. Um, so Molly gets herself untied. Um, she then, after she gets herself untied, she, she attacks Angela and she hits her with like the lightest stick shots ever. Like, I don't, I don't know what is, I wish I could do a poll of what shots were lighter, a Hulk Hogan chair shot or, or Molly's, um, uh, shot on Angela. Cause boy, we're holding back both of them. These people are not uh, are not stuntmen, and neither is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes, exactly. So now we have the big chasing. All right, and they're fighting over knives during the chasing. They're fighting through all the woods, and eventually we end up where Molly falls down on um, some rocks. And of course, like you know, Angela's like, you know, you almost survived. You got very close. And then this part, like. So during this part of the movie, though, I'm like, like I feel like it, like it kind of dragged a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I felt like this part took forever. Yes. So now, like, we get like, so Molly falls off the rocks. All right, you almost made it. So this is when we have like, um, this is we're at nighttime now. Diana shows up. She 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 sees like the tits crew, like looking through the window. So she grabs them. The tits crew is dead. She freaks out. She goes into the room. She sees Rob and she sees Uncle John killed. Rob's like hanging up. Uncle John, Uncle John's like dead in his chair with his hand off. Um, and then this is when we get um, Angela's in there, and then she kills Diane in here, and she does the line, "Good night, campers." <laughs> so I thought they were gonna end the movie there. You know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah, like, but no, but no, like it keeps going. Like, is there like an extended <laughs> cut that we're seeing? Because I thought it was just going to end like right there. But no, apparently we get Molly wakes up. Okay. Angela is now, she now, Angela gets picked up by a hitchhiker out of nowhere. And this girl was like super country. She's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I pick you up. No skin off my tits. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she starts saying some stuff. And the only line I remember her saying is like, listen, girl. She starts smoking and stuff, and Angela's like, hey, can you let up in a window? She's like, yeah, I guess I can. But, you know, <laughs> her thing's like, uh, she's like, uh, I'm too, like, it says, I'm too down to drink, and I'm too old to fuck. <laughs> or no, I'm too fat to fuck. And then Angela just kills her. It's just like some random, yeah. like, why was this even she's here? too annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Because there's like a train going by, so they stopped. So now, right. so now, like, Molly is like awake and she like goes to the forest and now she's like out on the road. She waves by. We, we've already seen Angela kill the, 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 the country girl. So Angela walks up and she, Molly goes up to the car. She's like, oh, thank you. I'm glad you're here. 
And then she's like, howdy, partner. And that's when the movie ends. Yeah. So that scene with the hitchhike or when she's hitchhiking or the scene when the, the, the woman picks her up in the truck exists so that we can have that, that little shock moment at the end when, she, when Molly survives. But so Molly survived the attack yeah. and then she's walking along and you think she's safe and then she's hitchhiking and then the truck that stops has Angela in it and then it ends because she kills her. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just thought it would have been better if she like just ended it with goodnight campers because, you know, we have some credits and then it goes back to the goodnight campers um, after they play the uh, the the last song, Obsession, uh, Desperate, yeah. to, Desperate to Survive. They play that at the end. And then when that song's done, after all the credits, then we get Goodnight Campers again. But I still feel like if we would have ended at the Goodnight Campers and we didn't know if Molly survived or not, I thought it might be a little bit more interesting and a little bit more easier to round it off to a uh, a third movie, which we'll be reviewing here next week on the Retro Blood Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage yeah. Wasteland. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yes, we'll see how that goes. I did like this one better than I thought, so we'll, we'll see how Teenage Wasteland is. Yeah. So overall, you know, I have always been a fan of the summer camp format in movies. I mean, you got everything here. You got kids want to have sex. You got the thrash music. You got some funny jokes over here. You got some tits. You got some pretty good death scenes, you know, some scary death scenes. Uh, we got some blood. We got the gore. You know, we got some pretty good character interactions. So I thought this was a very fun movie. Um, this is a movie you can watch, you know, summertime. You know, if you want to watch it with a bunch of group of friends and, and and everything like that, have a couple beers by watching it. I thought this was a, definitely a fun movie to watch. Yeah, I mean, I actually I like the first movie a little bit better. So the people that say they like the set the, this one better, uh, I mean, I see why they say that. I still like the first one better, but yeah, this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I'll put it that way. Yeah, buddy. So we'll be continuing our month-long stays at different summer camps. So the Rolling Hills summer camp is definitely a doozy. But like I said, join us here next week on the Retro Blood as we talk Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. So we'll be finishing up the uh, the Sleepaway Camp series over here. So that should be very exciting. But before we get out of here, Allison, do you have any final words you want to say about anything uh, no, I would just say that, um, you know, listen to some thrash metal, listen to some Forbidden. They're a great band. Um, listen to Anvil. Anvil's a great band. Yes. Um, yep. That's, that's, that was my parting words of wisdom for everybody out there. Yeah, buddy. And we will be playing some Anvil right here, right now. Let's play straight between the eyes like we heard on this movie. And let's rock it out here in the retro blood. And remember, when you go to camp, everybody, remember sure to bring your beer, bring your tits. Bring your chainsaws, bring your bring your uh, 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 um, bring your axes, bring everything, because it's gonna be one hell of a camping day. See you later, everybody. See you guys. <laughs>